We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. For the fifth time in franchise history, the Denver Nuggets go to the Western Conference Finals. It's a great challenge, of course. You're going to play against uh, Lakers. You cannot relax. You need to play your game. The Lakers, the seventh seed, will face Denver for the Western Conference title. Now we're stepping into another realm, like Bron said, level three. So now we got to take our focus, awareness, up a level. I'm pumped for this one. Western Conference Finals. Game one tonight right here on ESPN Radio. Our man Mark Kestrischer will be on the play-by-play. He'll join us coming up uh, live from out yonder, out in the west, uh, where he'll be here at 5.30 Eastern time, 2.30 Pacific. I think I got that right. Did I, Shannon Penn, our producer? I hope so. Oh, look at that. I got something right for once. So game night's on me and Fitzsimmons in for Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80 Denver, a six-point favorite. Total tonight, 225-and-a-half. And, Gabe, I heard this conversation earlier, and I almost wrecked the truck. <laughs> what would a fifth ring mean for LeBron? My answer, it means he's got a fifth ring. Yep. The second was when a guy that I, I – man, every time we're on the road for college football, love running into him. He's a fine American, good citizen, wicked smart. Dude went to Juilliard, all right? He can play a mean fiddle. He must have gotten hit in the head with his fiddle like a baseball bat when, he, when I heard him say this earlier on Fitz and Harry. Every time we talk about Michael Jordan, all we talk about is, well, he never lost in the finals every stinking time. Have we ever talked about the fact that, I don't know, he did lose three consecutive years in the playoffs to the Pistons, nope. including twice in the conference finals? No, we don't talk about that at all. Every time we talk about the Buffalo Bills in the 90s, what do we talk about? Four straight Super Bowl losses, and we talk about them like they're absolute trash. The way these things work, if LeBron goes to the NBA Finals and loses, he will be four. And seven in his finals appearances, which means for the rest of his life, Stephen A is going to be sitting up there on first take telling you, well, he lost seven times in the finals. If he doesn't get there, if he loses in the Western Conference, it's a plucky effort for a year. We didn't expect this from the Lakers. Everybody will champion it. If he goes to the finals and loses, it'll actually be worse for the long-term legacy conversation that we all hate about LeBron than it would be if he gets to the finals and he loses. This isn't even a take. It's just a fact. Gabe, your reaction before we bring in that idiot. Um, one, it seems like he's very off base. Two, his Stephen A impersonation <laughs> needs a little bit of work. <laughs> he's actually a great friend. That's why we can call him an idiot. He's one of my favorite people here at the network. Jason Fitz, you wouldn't know it right now from the way I just introduced you here on Canty and Carlin, but are you out of your mind? That's like telling you you almost got nominated for a Grammy. Okay, a couple of things here. Number one, uh, I let Harry Douglas do the actual Stephen A. Smith uh, ah. impression for, for very obvious reasons. I'm not going to impersonate <laughs> More importantly here, I stand by the logic. I hear Every time I hear it, I think, God, it's a brilliant take. All I'm saying, look, every athlete wants to win. And if he wins a championship, that's a, that's a great conversation that we'll have. We live in a world where we seem to only want to make championship rounds matter in, in general. 
So a loss in the championship round becomes this epic thing that we focus on. I think what really took me there was just talking because Harry always reminds me that Michael Jordan is his goat. I really don't care one way or the other. I just think it's funny that every time we talk about MJ, we say, well, 6-0 and in the finals without acknowledging that that's not a 6-0 and playoff record. That's 6-0 and in the finals. Like He lost some years in the Eastern Conference finals, as I alluded to, to Detroit. We don't even talk about that. We wouldn't talk. like If they go out and they lose to, to Denver, it becomes this great moment for Jokic. We're not talking about it. If they lose to Miami, oh, my God. If they lose to the Celtics, you want to tell me that Stephen A. and whoever is with him on first take won't spend the next – Five years yelling about, how could you lose to Miami when you were the Heat? You needed a super team and you lost to one man in Jimmy Butler. Or how could you lose to the Celtics? Like, that's what we do. We make we make championships more important than anything else. That's all I'm saying. Because of his record in the finals, another finals loss would be catastrophic to the conversation. Catastrophic? I, I mean, but you're one of the people who can try to shape the conversation, right? Oh, you've got I don't have that power. A, I don't have that power. you got your name on a radio show on... You know, ESPN, that's the four most recognizable letters in sports. You can shape the conversation of getting two finals is always more important and better than, you know, losing before that. And the, here's the thing. The funny part of it, uh, LZ Granderson pointed out in the LA Times that LeBron right now has more finals appearances in his career than the Bulls have finals appearances as a team. We forget all of that in the conversation. And I love the concept. I don't. I mean, I love the concept that we could what shape this. What is this, this we stuff, Fitz? We, we. So we, you guys just heard that, that soundbite, right? The calls, the, the phones lit up for Fitz and Harry. Phones took over. Every single person calling in was chiming in on LeBron versus MJ, the GOAT debate. I don't know how it even went there. Like, I can't stop that. I, it's, a, it's a tsunami that I cannot I, – I, I got no power on it. That, that one drives me nuts. And you can call the CC call online right now at 888-729-3776 just to make Fitz even more miserable. Look at Shannon Penn waving us off. Hell <laughs> he no. Said, no. Don't do, do it. Not do we, it. We are not going MJ versus LeBron here. <laughs> I'm just going after Fitz for that awful opinion – and an opinion is neither fact nor fiction. And it's all in a, in a strange sounding word also. But that would be like telling you that you almost got nominated for a Grammy instead of being nominated for a Grammy. What's better, being nominated for a Grammy or almost being nominated for one? Well, I mean, being not like I've got 13 nominations, one win. Uh, you know, and so that's a brag. Or oh, yeah, no, no, that's not even a humble brag. It's just a humble statement. Not even a humble statement. It's just a brag. Thirteen nominations, one win. No, you're right. Like, uh, and certainly, like I said, this isn't about the way LeBron thinks. This is just about the way. Like, there is this weird narrative around LeBron specifically, where people want to use the failings of a team in a team sport in the finals as a reason that suddenly LeBron's legacy should be sort of. Uh, downgraded in the eyes of many. And I, I don't know why. I don't know how to change that. I don't know what changes that. I would love to live in a world where we say, oh my God, 11 finals appearances. But come on. I mean, you guys really want to tell me that if he's four and seven at this point, for this example, if he's four and seven in the finals, we really think that Stephen A from the top of the lungs won't be screaming, you can't lose seven finals. That's my point. Like, that's what we do. It, it takes so long for us to give any credit to what should be, you know, like, Greatness. Greatness should be celebrated, but it isn't. 
you're a Lakers fan. Are you doing the sports fan thing where your team loses in the playoffs? Oh, if we, this is the way we we're going to lose, then I'd have rather not made the playoffs. Are you like just trying to protect yourself and your emotions here? No, by, going, by like talking yourself into it's okay if the Lakers lose the Western Conference Finals. I was a massive Lakers fan as a kid, like a massive Lakers fan. I grew up in Vegas, right? So everybody in Vegas was LA sports fans. I, I grew up an LA Raiders fan and a, and a Lakers fan. The the Raiders really took more of my life. So as I've gotten older, I've really shut down most of my Lakers fan. I don't really have a skin in the game one way or the other. I don't care. I just love a great story. Like, as somebody that loves what we do for a living, nothing will be better than either of these teams in the East versus the Lakers because it gives us something to talk about every day. I am at that point, and Ian Fitzsimmons was the one a long time ago that said, the longer you do this, the more you root for stories above and beyond teams. Other than my beloved Raiders, I don't have the power to shut that portion of me off. Most of me, when it comes to the <laughs> Lakers, is just, uh, it's just I'm, I'm sort of, Canty is, is like, you know, uh, he, he's all in on the Lakers. I'm just sitting back as, as a you know kid, I was a big fan, and now I just look at him. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. Jason Fitz joining us here on, on Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80 with Gabe Neitzel on me and Fitzsimmons. Uh, that guy, Chris Canty, will give us his perspective on the Lakers on his show in about an hour right here on ESPN Radio. But you know, Fitz, what is it with the legacy conversation? And I mean this. We'll go around the horn. Fitz will come to you first and then, and then Gabe. I don't get it, man. I really don't. Why are we so impatient as a sports society today that we can't wait till a man says, I'm done, I'm retired. We have to judge him on not just what he's done so far, but what we think he might do in the future. Why, why do we have to have this legacy, lazy conversation whenever a guy like LeBron or generational talent gets to this point again in another season. Yeah, by the way, I agree with everything you just said. I think it just it fires people up for whatever reason, but here's the funniest thing about legacy to me. Most of the people right now that are anti-whatever, it doesn't matter which player in the NBA, somebody's out there trashing. That's the same people that in 30 years when they're sitting in the barbershop and they're watching the new generation is going to say, no, 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 no. I watched Steph play. Steph was better. Like, we'll forget all of this when we get older. It just feels like sort of a way to, to fill the void. It's, it's an empty argument. Yeah, realistically, I can't imagine. I'll go back to the music portion of it. I can't imagine in the middle of touring when, like, the most stressful thing you can do as an artist is make your second record. There's a great documentary out there right now on Louis Capaldi talking about what he went through trying to figure out how to make his second record, the mental breakdowns he went through and everything. And it was so real to every act I've ever been with and everybody I've ever experienced when you make your second record because you get so worried about what if it's not as good as what I did before. I cannot imagine putting out a second record after you've done all of that and then having somebody just decide on TV that that either means your entire music career is worth it or your entire music career isn't. And that's what we do after every single, not just every championship, we do it after every round of the playoffs, every good game, every bad game. I think realistically, I know I'm long-winded here, but the toughest part of our job is like we are asked to write a book report after every single chapter. I wish we could read the whole book, let it soak in, and then have book club together. It just doesn't work that way, Gabe. No, it it doesn't. But at the same time, when everybody gets wrapped up in what's the legacy, it kind of prevents you from enjoying that chapter that you just read, right? Like you're just, instead of anxiously awaiting to see what happens next and, and being on the edge of your seat for the cliffhanger, you, you become too consumed about what that, that you know, oh, is he actually going to be better than MJ? Can he pass MJ? Is there anything he can do to become better than Michael Jordan? Did like, you if, just if bring up MJ in a LeBron conversation? Mm-hmm. I, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> just kidding. Fitz did it first. No, that's my fault. Um, <laughs> Usually it's my fault. I'll admit that. <laughs> but Please you do. It, 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 it just seems like instead of enjoying 
LeBron's career the way it should have been enjoyed. I think this dude appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated when that still meant something when he was in high school and he had the expectations of the world placed on him in 2002. Here we are 21 years later, and this dude just became the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He's been to 10 finals, could potentially go to 11th. Like, this is... Gabe, he averaged over seems, 28 yeah. points a game at the age of 38. 38 How years many old. players in the tens of thousands that have played in the NBA have done that at 38 years of age and averaged, really, let's be full credit, 28.9 points per game? It, and it seems like instead of just sitting back and enjoying all of these different things that LeBron has done in the way that he's done them, you have to compare him to somebody, whether he was being compared to Magic or now it's MJ and all these different things, instead of just sitting back and being able to enjoy the accomplishments that LeBron James has done over the course of the last 20 years. It feels like at times we really don't appreciate greatness in the moment. The moment has to pass in order for us to, like look at Tiger Woods right now. You know, every time he takes to a golf course and then has to withdraw, or you see him laboring out there because of all the injuries and the tragic car wreck and all the back surgeries and the knee surgeries, now we talk about what he accomplished and how great he was. But in the moment, I don't, I mean, I know, I know in my focus group of one, I didn't truly appreciate what he was doing 20 years ago in that moment, you know, or go to tennis right now, whether it's, you know, Novak or, you know, you name it. I mean, do I truly appreciate it in the moment as much as I should? I do now because I've kind of reprogrammed myself to go, hey, man, you better take a step back and watch what you're, you're – and appreciate what you're watching right now. And that's how I look at LeBron. 38 years of age, average nearly 30 damn points a game. That is truly unbelievable. And I'm not talking about a legacy until he's done playing. Imagine – if we, uh, I'll go back to something else I know a lot about, or at least I like a lot, alcohol. Imagine if, like, <laughs> you walked into a bar and, like, in my mind, well, you know, everything's like Mount Rushmore, right? Let's rank these things. Who are the top this? Who are that? When you walk into a bar, you know, the minute you walk into the bar, like, you're looking behind the bar and you got shelves. Like, you got top shelf vodka, maybe. You like tequila. You got top shelf tequila. You got well tequila. And everything falls somewhere in between. And you kind of know by your price point which ones are really good. I wish sometimes we would just accept that all of these tequilas are slightly different. And that means LeBron is different than MJ is different than Bill Russell. Like You can't compare different eras of the game anyway. So why try? In my mind, just look at it all like it belongs on one shelf. It's all top shelf liquor. And guess what? You got to that top shelf. And I really don't care whether or not you're a little better or a little worse than this person. I I just care that you are in that same group that's going to be really expensive and deservedly so. And you're going to pour it. You're going to say, guys, let's sip on this and enjoy it. There's a reason this isn't well. You're supposed to sip on this and enjoy it. Like, that's how I think we should consume our sports more often. Yeah, I'm 100% there with you. And going back to the Tiger Woods thing, the dude wrecked the curve for everyone else. Now anytime somebody doesn't close out a 54-hole lead in a major, everyone, oh, what are you doing? I can't believe it. Well, no, it turns out Justin that's Thomas. really hard to do. Like, that's incredibly hard to do. And it's the same thing with Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady ruined the curve for every other quarterback in the NFL. I, I'll, I'll relate it to here. I mean, I'm in the state of Wisconsin. I don't remember too much of the conversation around Brett Favre being, oh, it'd be nice if he got a second Super Bowl. It's like, oh, if he doesn't get a second Super Bowl, oh, he's garbage. And everything was wasted the way it was for Aaron Rodgers toward the back half of his time here in, in, in Green Bay, here in the state of Wisconsin, where, well, was this even worth it if he can't even win two? Where 
it felt like 20 years ago winning one was cherished and everything else, but because Tom Brady went to 10, won seven, now that's just the standard for everybody. And if you're a quarterback who's actually good, then you have to go out there and win seven Super Bowls when the reality of the situation is it's incredibly hard and you should just enjoy the ones that come your way. Fitz, think about it this way too in college football where we, we spend so much time. What we're seeing right now from Georgia is such a beautiful thing because we've seen so much of it from Alabama. And I find myself, you know, I've, again, story time with me. The first year I was ever covering a national championship, Ian Fitzsimmons walked up to me and he, he looked down at the grass and he said, man, if you can't look down at this and appreciate this, then you shouldn't do this for a living. And there was this moment for me, and now every year to this day, and I saw him this year at the national championship game, I walk on the sidelines an hour before anybody's there, and I pull up a little tuft of grass, and I just run it through my fingers because I'm like, man, I work my ass off during college football season, and this is the reminder of why I do it. But in that moment, you have to stop and slow down and say, hey, Georgia doesn't have to be better than Alabama. This doesn't have to be bigger than Saban. It doesn't have to be any of those. Can we just appreciate that right now we are seeing something truly special in the college football realm? And I think it's getting easier to do that you know, for a lot of people in that sport where you're seeing this handoff, not necessarily handoff, I don't want to say Alabama's done, but you're seeing Georgia do something that we're used to seeing Alabama do. I think people are appreciating it more in that sport. Yeah, I just if think it's a people turf field, also... do you pick up the, the black pellets and run those? Oh yeah, yeah. Pellets, instead pellets of smell weird. Yeah, no, I've learned <laughs> that. Pellets smell weird. I'm all in. on pellets the, smell weird. The worst part about calling games on field turf, which is most of them these days, is when you get back to the hotel room, or worst, it, it, even worse, is if you have to go on catch a plane, come home, you take your shoes off, and they've been marinating next to your feet for about eight hours. Mm. Could mm. drop a donkey at forty yards. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it is disgusting, especially if you were in the SEC at some point in September. Oh, it'll get you beat, man. It will get you beat every time. Quick question on Jokic. I think, and I mentioned this earlier, Fitz. I think he's if if he gets to the finals and wins, he's st- taking that next step to becoming one of the basketball immortals as a two-time MVP and the god of the dad bod. What do you think? Yeah, especially the way he's doing it. And, uh, you know, I love my 80s wrestling. And in 80s wrestling, if you wanted to be like the next big guy, somebody had to put you over. Like you had to have a star that, that made you a star. Andre the Giant had to help make Hulk Hogan a star and so on and so forth. I think just the fact that he'd be going through AD, LeBron, the Lakers, and then either the Heat or the Celtics, there's this moment of the reluctant superstar finally gets the credit he deserves. Also, just to be very real, I think 90% of the people right now that are, are trying to figure out Denver honestly have watched so little of Denver basketball, and I don't blame them for that. It's not easy to find. The games aren't always highlighted. I think it's a real chance for a coming out party simply because people are going to learn about Jokic in this process in ways that they frankly haven't in the past, specifically the challenges the Lakers are going to present for him. It's a huge moment for him. Not just Jokic, but Jamal Murray. Yeah. Like Jamal Murray getting that stage because that to me, I mean, Jokic was, was putting up a lot of big numbers in playoff series past, but not, now that he's got a running buddy who's healthy and can do the things that Jamal Murray can do as the primary ball handler, that to me has really helped the Nuggets get in the position they're at right now. Fitz, always good to see you, man. Thanks for coming in and explaining your stuff. You did it very eloquently. I'm still Thank not you. I'm still not with you on it. That's but. fair. That's fair. You know what? All I can do is be pretty and hope that uh, hope that I convince some people. That's all I can do. Boys, thanks for letting me hang out with He's you guys. He's a good-looking guy with bad tattoos. Right there. There he is. Oh, that's Fitz, I love you, man. I love you, buddy. See you, buddy. Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry, every day right here on ESPN Radio. With Gabe Knight's on me and Fitzsimmons. Coming up next, we answer the following question. 
is it completely unreasonable to connect Devontae Adams to the New York Jets right here on ESPN Radio? If you're gearing up for hot summer hires, then stop making candidate cold calls and hire with Indeed. Their powerful all-in-one hiring platform makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. With tools like Instant Match, the moment you sponsor a post, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. You can then invite them to apply, schedule, and conduct interviews all from the Indeed website. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine. Especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups and sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up and power your buys and tries the right way or de-stress with some cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Are you tired of uncomfortable, stuffy clothing when you're on the move? Task Performance is here to revolutionize your active lifestyle. Crafted with their innovative organic cotton and bamboo fabric blend, Task Performance's Carrollton Collection is Task's all-time most popular active wear. Task Carrollton Collection is breathable, moisture-wicking, and provides USPF 50-plus sun protection, keeping you fresh, cool, and comfortable all day long. Task has harnessed the natural performance qualities of bamboo to deliver amazingly soft and durable apparel produced in an ethical and sustainable manner. Whether you're hitting the gym or on the trail, the golf course, traveling, the office, or just around town, Task Carrollton Collection will help you feel better, move better, and live better. Available in dozens of colors. See what better looks like at taskperformance.com. Use code SPORTS to get 20% off. That's code SPORTS at TASCperformance.com. Task, creating the most comfortable performance apparel on the planet. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Is Devontae Adams angling to get out of Las Vegas and no longer be a Raider? With Gabe Neitzel on me and Fitzsimmons in for Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Devontae Gabe told The Ringer, quote, The front office thinks this is the best bet for us right now to put us in a position to be urgent on offense. We don't see eye to eye on what we think is best for us right now and this vision for this offense. Your reaction, you knew him well. You covered him a lot in Green Bay. You're based in Milwaukee. When you saw that, your first reaction was what? Yeah, to me, he's looking at this going, okay, 
this is probably going to be a rebuild. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. I firmly believe part of the reason he left Green Bay was he was not sure how much longer Aaron Rodgers was going to be a member of the Green Bay Packers. Did not want to be a part of a rebuild, what the Packers are going through right now, whether they want to admit it or not. Dude's 30 years old. He's put together three consecutive All-Pro seasons. He knows... At, at that position, as a wide receiver, he relies on his agility. His athleticism is not going to get better with age. So he's probably, I would think, in, hey, I, I want to win right now. And when he went to Las Vegas, it was a team that had made the postseason a year before, had gone through everything with John Gruden, rallied, made the playoffs. He was playing with one of his best friends, the quarterback that he played with in college and Derek Carr, and then everything just kind of fell apart. And he's now sitting there looking around going, oh, now i got to be the veteran leader of this team as we try to figure out where exactly we stack up in an absolutely loaded AFC. I don't know if he's angling out of Vegas, but I would be a little... If, if I'm the Raiders, I'm keeping an eye on Devontae Adams' happiness and if he's going to upend any plans that I have. You know, Gabe, that, that comment about the front office and him saying we don't see eye to eye on what we think is the best for us right now, quote, end quote, from, uh, from, that, from the ringer, that, that's not a shot. I mean, I, I, I mean or, or, or drive-by. That's a direct hit, No, man. that's direct. I mean, I, that is a firm message to that front office. And then when he was also posed the question about talking to Jimmy Garoppolo. He said, quote, he's a really good dude, and talking to him, I really haven't been around him enough to truly know what type of leader he is. I've only heard good things from his teammates, uh, so that's a good thing, because it's guys that I know that wouldn't mess around with stuff like that, quote, end quote. So if you're looking for a positive, if you're a Raider fan, okay. uh, with Devontae Adams, you, you, you've got that. But that front office, that front office comment... That is the one that would not... It tastes like vinegar on my palate right now if I was a Raider fan. Yeah, it would just be a little bit... Yeah, that just that sour, and you wonder if he wants... I can't imagine he ends up going back to Aaron Rodgers, ends up with the Jets, and I know that's the natural point that everyone's oh, so, going to connect. So, you, you, so we brought it up. Is it completely unreasonable to connect a former Packer to the New York Jets. Because right now, I, got, I mean, I think Vince Lombardi is going to rise from his grave and go coach the New York Jets. Because every other Packer, a former it's Packer, has been East, connected man. to the New York Jets. Yeah, it's, it's Green Bay East at this point. I, I don't think that Devontae Adams is going to end up there. I just don't know how they could afford him at this point. You know, they gave $22 million guaranteed to Alan Lazard, a former Packer. They have a young wide receiver that they want to be their number one guy that was the offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson. You brought last in Randall year. Cobb. Brought in Randall Cobb. I think he's going to be more of a coach than, than, than yeah, 100%. a true playmaker. Yeah, he's he's going to have like seven first. He's going to have seven catches on the year. They're all going to be on third down. They're all going to be for first downs, and you know you'll just have to be happy with that production if you're a Jets fan. The other part of this article that he talked about was how proud he was of being All Pro and how much he was tracking it because he wanted to prove that it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers that made him. And he still respect. He he makes it perfectly clear in this article over at the Ringer that he still respects Aaron Rodgers, loves Aaron Rodgers, and, and, and all of those things. So that's why I guess I would have a hard time believing that Devontae Adams would just go running back to the Jets. But it wouldn't shock me if he tries to figure a way out of Vegas and into a more win-now type of situation. Because when you look at where the AFC is, the AFC is right now, AFC East is absolutely stacked. 
the who who knows what's going to happen in the AFC North. You know the Bengals were good. Well, Lamar's sticking around, and they're trying to give him more weapons in Baltimore. And we talked earlier about Deshaun Watson. Presumably, he's going to continue to get better and maybe get back to the guy he was before being out of football for a year and a half. And then you look over at the you know the AFC South isn't very good outside of what Jacksonville could potentially be. But everybody's trying to build up different things in the AFC West. That still could be a pretty decent division if Russell Wilson refines his game and the Chargers continue to grow. So if I'm Devontae Adams, I'm looking around going, man, how are we going to win enough games to not even just be a contender, but even just make the playoffs? How are we going to find enough wins on our schedule as we're constantly trying to retool to find the right quarterback? Well, we all know the AFC is deeper. He's Gabe Neitzel, makes his home on ESPN Milwaukee. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Look, every year, and this is a statistical fact. This is not opinion. This is not making numbers dance with analytics the way you want that, to, that, that song to be played. Since 1990, nearly half the teams that make the playoffs in the National Football League, since they expanded back in 90, do not make the playoffs the following year. Half. Happens Every single year, within like two one-hundredths of a point of, of getting to half if you average it out from 1990 to last year. like Going back to last preseason, at this time, we were all looking at the AFC West going, you know, Ooh, three or four getting in. Who's, Maybe who's, all four. I mean, we, we heard that opinion. It could be all four. Russell Wilson to Denver, watch the hell out. Okay. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders, like, oh, watch out. Okay. I mean, it, it was you had two teams make the playoffs, one won the Super Bowl. But the conversation beforehand was, this is going to be a gauntlet that is almost impossible for more than two teams to navigate because it's so difficult. Then you had other people going, all four might make the playoffs. Well, yeah, guess what? They're all going to beat each other Didn't up. Didn't happen. So my point is, you really don't know. Players on teams do not know what they do or do not have going into you know voluntary OTAs, which crank up next week on May 22nd. So if you're Devontae and you're unhappy in Vegas, if I'm him, I'm looking NFC because we do know, or not do, we think the AFC has got all of these teams with all of these marquee quarterbacks, right? And the NFC doesn't have nearly as many. And if you don't have a quarterback, you ain't got a shot. Well, all those quarterbacks exist in the AFC, and all those quarterbacks cannot make the playoffs. They have more than seven really good quarterbacks in the AFC. There are going to be teams, like you said, that absolutely miss out on the playoffs, and some of them are going to be playoff teams from a year ago. But if you know if Baltimore you know gets better and, and Cleveland gets better and the Jets and all these other teams continue to get better, like some of those teams that made it last year, like I'm not guaranteeing the Chargers make the playoffs this year. You know they they eked in a season ago. They were one of those teams I would think that would be on the hot seat. But yes, the NFC to me is so much more wide open because it's younger quarterbacks, it's teams that seemingly are going through a rebuild or are close to going through a rebuild and trying to find their way where really the only two established teams are the Eagles, who went to the Super Bowl, and the 49ers, who are still trying to figure out just who the heck their quarterback is going to be. But the rest of the roster is so good. The rest of the NFC seemingly isn't as strong. They're still going to win double-digit games and be standing at the end because it's what they've done the last two, three, four seasons. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. Coming up here on ESPN Radio, I did something this weekend that I never dreamed I would ever do. I regretted it at the moment. I made a massive purchase, and now, (laughs) oh, man, I'm happier than a pig in slop. Details next here on ESPN Radio. 
Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Biggie. On the ones and twos. Shannon Penn producing, trying to keep us out of the proverbial ditch, which is almost impossible. I mean, if it's Simmons along with Gabe Neitzel here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady. That rejoin right there is directed right at my country butt. And I grew up on a third red horse farm, Folsom, Louisiana, about 45 minutes north of New Orleans. You wanted to get into trouble, you could. But Mama Fitz would whip your butt, Gabe, uh, if you did. Uh, and so, you know, she no hired hands, four boys working the farm. That was it. And I did something this weekend that I never dreamed I would do because the smell of a mower in the morning with gasoline. Oh, sure. That'll wake your ass up, buddy. I mean, and let's go to work because you're cutting, you know, 200 acres and you don't stop. And no friends wanted to come over to your house on the weekend because they knew Mama Fitz would put you on a tractor also. I mean, nobody came and visited the Fitzsimmons boys on the weekends, man. Everybody during the school year. I mean, I'm telling you, they were like, what are we doing on the weekend? You, you, you want to come over to, to my house? No, no what, are, no, what are you doing on the weekend? <laughs> I'm, just, no. I'm just picturing like somebody looking through a screen door. Is Ian home? Can he no. come out and play? Hell no, no. But you can work. Come no, on we'll, in. We'll put you on a, on, a, on, a, on a riding mower. We got a weed eater for you. I mean, we can fix some fence posts, whatever. Nobody ever came to our house on a weekend during the school year or especially during the summer. Well, look, you, as you get older, you appreciate all that work in the yard. You really do. And it was a great way to grow up, you know, on, just, on a horse farm. I would, if I could, I'd, I'd have my kids there also instead of the concrete jungle of Dallas, Texas. But my wife sold me on this, and I can't believe I actually did it. And loved it. What did you do? Instead of continuing to go and put gasoline in a mower, or that three-in-one oil, right? In, in yep. your, in oh, your, yeah, you got to get power that mixed pack light. blower, right? Or your weed eater. Nope. I got rid of all of them, and I went electric. 
Well, you just, uh, whoa, you got rid uh, of the entire fleet. The it entire wasn't just like fleet. one piece Ty- at a time. No. Nope. Dove in, deep end of the pool, got rid of everything. Jump in and swim or drown, buddy. That was it, man. And I was, I was, I held on to the old, the old ones. I've had my mower since 2009. My wife calls me cheap. I refer to myself as frugal. But, and then you're having spit and glue to keep it together. It was going to die this summer. I was going to go get a new one. But for a hick like me, to go and buy electric, and I'm telling you right now, I love it. I, I you don't, you're not. I'm not going to run out of gas again. All I got to do is go ahead and remember to plug that battery back into that and into its slot, and I'm good to go the next week. I mean, you don't have to worry about running out of gas in the middle of mowing it, and you look like a bum because your your yard's only halfway done. You got to go to the gas station, fill it back up, come home. My wife sold me on the idea. I fought it tooth and nail. But there's some battles in a marriage that aren't worth dying on that hill for. This wasn't one of them. I went and did it. I bit the bullet. And guess what? I'm EV now, man, all the way. Loved it. So you're all in. You you really enjoy it. You you cannot tell the difference between the... I'm sure you you can't tell the difference. Takes me an hour and a half to two hours to, to do front and back. The battery life on one of them is 45 minutes. But because I bought the big, tall, tree-chopping thing also, I went full in, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. It has the same battery. Therefore, I can oh. charge that one while the other – yes, and just flip them out, take a water break, knock it out, man. I, I am full-on electric when it comes to yard work. Not, now, there's a difference here. Because Shannon Penn, you posed a question to us earlier. So does this mean you're going electric vehicle? One, one step closer. Hell no. You're out on the electric vehicle. I know. My, See, I have, here's the I thing. Can, can I trust you? Well, can I trust you? Because you just you, you just waxed poetically and made it sound very nostalgic about the and especially you know I can still picture in my parents' garage mixing the oil and gas links. You got to have the right you got to have the right ratio when you're firing up that that old. Oh, that engine's oil. cooked, and then you're taking oh. the beating of a lifetime. That happened. <laughs> but. I mean, you you waxed poetically. You made it sound fantastic. And then you, of all people, decided to go with the battery. So I don't know. Like, am I, if, if, I feel, if we both fill in on this show a year from now, you might be driving an electric truck. Who knows? Okay, blasphemy, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> the reason that I will not go electric on the vehicle yet is because my brother just drove one from Arizona where he was an assistant coach of the Cardinals. He's now with the Carolina Panthers. He drove an electric vehicle all the way from Arizona to Carolina. Oof. Do you know how long it takes to charge one of those things? I, so I, it I says honestly you don't. go 380 miles, right? Okay. N- depends on how much other stuff is going on in that car. AC, heat, music, you know, whatever. And then it takes about so, an hour for it to recharge. As long as you're driving in the silence with no heat or AC, you'll go 380 miles. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you have no silence, luxuries, though. none, and it's a really expensive vehicle. You're good to go. But then when you have to charge it, instead of taking 10 minutes at the pump while you go number one inside, get yourself a Gatorade, you know, a dippy treat, whatever it might be. I didn't say that, honey. I really quit. I promise you. Then the next thing you know, right, you're, you're walking right back out. You're getting in your truck and you're on the road again. And an electric, it takes like an hour for that bad boy to recharge fully. Oof. Therefore, I wasn't home when, when, when Fitz showed up at our doorstep, my brother. The kids are like, oh, when he opened the door, it was like, what died in that vehicle? Because all he did was take cat naps. 
for an hour <laughs> he was just driving. Living in the car? Basically. No hotel, no nothing. I mean, the smell in that vehicle, I guarantee you, had to be something in a cross between a dead skunk and a raccoon. I mean, just nauseating. So that's why I'll never go EV. I say never, but uh, that, well, gas yeah, powered yeah. mower. A year pack, ago at this time, a year ago at this time, you'd have said you would have never gone with the battery in in the mower as well. My I wife was very firm. Yeah, so and it was a great sell. It's awesome. I'm all in. Ryobi. That's what I went with. There you go. That, giving out the giving out the shout out. I, look, man, I'm 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 a changed man, and right now. That's as far as I'm going, but in the moment, hell yeah, I'm all about it. Coming up next, a 6'8", 300-pound world champion joins us right here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.